This is JHG Ministries Bible Study. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain with JHG Ministries, and I'm glad to have you listening today. In our study of the book of James, we have finished chapter 3, and we're going to continue with our study with chapter 4. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the fourth chapter of James, and let's get started. In chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, James has discussed a philosophy of life that is characteristic of the unregenerated mind and is a major ingredient of worldliness. Now James examines this worldly attitude in greater detail here in chapter 4. First, James identifies the source of worldly antagonisms or hostilities or opposition in the first three verses. Next, James reproves spiritual unfaithfulness in verses 4 through 6. And then finally, James pleads for submission to God in verses 7 through 10. So if you've turned to chapter 4, let's go ahead and start reading some of the verses here. Begin with verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy and amenity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Beginning in verse 1. Instead of the climate of peace necessary for the production of righteousness that we saw back in chapter 3, we see that James's readers were living in an atmosphere of constant fights, wars, and quarrels. These two nouns were normally used of national warfare, but they had also become common, forceful expressions for any kind of open hostility or active opposition. Now, James answers this question about the cause of fights and quarrels with an answer with which he expects his readers to agree. He says, do they not come from your desires for pleasure? Now, the Greek word for desires is the source of the English word hedonism, the designation of the philosophy that views pleasure as the chief goal of life. James pictures these pleasures as residing within his readers, as the overriding desires of their lives. Nothing will be allowed to stand in the way of the realization. So in verse 2, James says, Their lust is so strong of a desire that you will kill or murder and covet. Now, covet means to yearn to possess or to have something. James repeats his assertion that with all their consuming desire to satisfy and their fighting and wars, 
they're not able to obtain what they wanted because they were going after it in the wrong way. They did not ask God for it. They were lusting and fighting instead of asking God for it. When we look at verse 3, we find that even when James's readers did ask God for things, they did not receive what they requested or asked for. Why is that? They asked with wrong motives. Their purpose was to spend what they got for pleasures, which is the same word as desires in verse 1. The prodigal son from the book of Luke exemplifies one who spent his money in this way. It was the desire of James's readers for pleasures that was battling within them for satisfaction from verse 1 and even leading them to try to use prayer as a means of gratification. They wanted to gratify themselves rather than help others and to please God. Now, having identified the source of the bitter fighting as being the desire for pleasure, James next, here in verse 4, rebukes his... James uses the terms adulterers. The people of God in the Old Testament are considered the wife of the Lord, and in the New Testament, the bride of Christ. So it's reasonable, therefore, to understand adulterers or adulteress as a figure of speech for unfaithfulness. It is a blunt and shocking word intended to jar the readers and awaken them to their true spiritual condition. The concept of spiritual adultery was no doubt taken from the Old Testament. For believers, however, there are two possible objects for affection. One is the world, and the other one is God. And these two are direct opposites. James uses world to refer to the system of evil controlled by Satan. It includes all that is wicked and opposed to God on this earth. James is thinking especially of pleasures that lure people's hearts from God. By its very nature, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. To have a warm, familiar attitude towards this evil world is to be on good terms with God's enemy. It is to adopt the world's set of values and to want what the world wants, not what God wants. The person who deliberately chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So that takes us to verse 5. And looking at verse 5, we see that although James's readers love and their devotion belongs to God, they have fallen in love with the world. They may be thinking that the scripture speaks without reason. The use of the word jealous or jealousy refers to how God longs for his people's love. God longs for the spirit that he made to live in us. So in verse 6, the words give, God gives us more grace are taken from Proverbs chapter 3, 
verse 34, which is quoted in the verse of verse 6. The meaning of verses 4 through 6 is that God has set high standards for wholehearted love and devotion on the part of his people as they resist the appeal of the world, but he gives graces that is greater than the rigorous demand he has made. Now this assurance is documented from Proverbs, the point of which we find in the second clause. The reference to the humble constitutes the theme for verses 7 through 10, where James pleads for submission to God. They should be the people who willingly submit to God's desire for them, rather than proudly insist on satisfying their own desires for pleasure. Now let's turn back to our Bibles, and let's continue reading with verse 7. Humility cures worldliness. Verse 7 begins, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now that we have arrived at verse 7, where humility cures worldliness, James issues a series of ten commands in verses beginning with verse 7, and we'll continue through verse 10. Each one of the commands calls for immediate response. It is a pointed and forceful way to demand action. Now here in verse 7, the command to submit to God is the logical response to the quotation from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, that we saw in verse 6. Since God opposes the proud but helps the humble believer, helps the humble, believers should submit to him. Submission is not the same as obedience. Instead, it is the surrender of one's will, which in turn leads to obedience. Rather than resisting God's will for us, we should be resisting the devil. James appears to suggest that the spiritual unfaithfulness of verse 4 was the result of the devil's influence. The promise he will flee from you gives assurance that as powerful as Satan may be, Satan can be resisted. Now in verse 8, we continue with James's commands, with the command to draw or to come near to God. In setting their hearts on pleasure, James's readers had drifted away from God. Though uh, still his people, or thought that still his people, uh, or let me rephrase that better, uh, God thought that these people were still his. They had become 
estranged from him. But the assurance that God will welcome them back accompanies the command to return. Now remember from verse 5 that God jealously yearns for their devotion. Continuing with verse 8, James, is, James continues with the command to cleanse your hands or to wash your hands, which is a command to make one's conduct pure. Now, similarly, the call to purify your heart, which is another command listed here by James, insists on purifying your thoughts and your motives. The eager quest for pleasure from verses 1 through 5 had resulted in sins of heart and hand. So James bluntly, bluntly addresses them as you sinners, which are strong terms showing the extent of their involvement in worldly attitudes and actions. The designation double-minded is used somewhat differently than in chapter 1, verse 8, because here it describes the attempt of the readers to love God and the pleasures of the world at the same time. So when we arrive in verse 9, we find four of the Ten Commandments in this verse alone, and all four of these commands are calls to repentance. Now, lament is an expression of grief or sorrow. It means to grieve, and grief is a strong word meaning to be miserable or wretched. In contrast to the worldly pleasures they had sought so eagerly, James's readers are to repent in misery. They are also to mourn, which depicts passionate grief that cannot be hidden. And on a side note, in biblical times, when someone passed away, they actually hired professional mourners who would show up to the funeral, and that was their job, was to cry and mourn and wail over the loss of a loved one. These were actual professional mourners that you could hire. But getting back to verse 9 here, Similar outward grief is called wailing or wail or to wail. In the past, when the readers had pursued pleasure, their lives had been marked by laughter and joy, but now they are to change their laughter to mourning and their joy to gloom. It was the burning desire for, for pleasures that led James to issue this powerful call to all out repentance. Now I'm going to stop there because we are running out of time, but next time we will pick up here with verse 10, and we will finish chapter 4, and then we only have one more chapter left in James, and then we'll move on to another book of the Bible. So thanks for listening. Until next time, God bless each and every one of you, and keep living Christian strong.